I've never been into reality television very much, but my wife was watching some television the other day, a rerun of a show, and she said, Mark, you've got to watch this show. It's called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I kind of got hooked on a little bit of it. It's really an interesting show. People that are going through really tough times or maybe they have bad life situations or something's happened to them physically that's bad or something's happened to their house and they don't have the money to take care of things, they have their house rebuilt oftentimes. Oftentimes it'll be, you know, just torn all the way to the ground and started over this majestic, beautiful home built, remodeled. And the part of the show that always gets me emotionally a little bit is that the creators of the show and the people who put it together really kind of become students of the family that they're making the home for. They, they know what each member of the family likes, and they try to make their dreams come true, build the house, give them stuff that, that just really is all about them, that makes them feel good about themselves. And my understanding is that tonight, for those of you who are here live today, tonight will be the night that the Extreme Makeover Home Edition uh, for the family here in Kansas. It'll be shown tonight on television. I hope you don't stay home from church to watch that, but my understanding is that it's on television this evening. And I think that every one of us who's watched Extreme Makeover Home Edition, we've had to wonder at least for a second what it would be like if Ty came to our house with the bullhorn and gave us the wake-up call, and they took us away in a limousine and completely rebuilt our house and everything in it, you know, to make our dreams come true. Well, I think you know that your chance of getting struck by lightning is somewhat better than your chance of having somebody do that for you to remake your home. And even if it did happen, you know, sometimes, forgive me for breaking a sentence, but sometimes reality is not as touchy-feely as it looks on television. Because some of those people who have had their homes remade and rebuilt and all this great makeover are now dealing with some of the ramifications of having that done. Uh, For instance, tax issues. And one family, you know, there was a, I think the lady was having to work two jobs to hold things together. Now, because of the home they have built for her, and I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. If any of you are just a real addict to extreme makeover home edition, you might want to put your fingers in your ears and not hear this next part. But her income tax bill, state and federal income tax bill for this year, because of what has been built for her, is $665,000. And that's before she has to pay property tax on this multi-million dollar home that's now built for her. Someone has said maybe she'll now have to work three jobs. I don't know. But all I'm saying is it probably would not be the answer to all our prayers if Ty and his crew showed up in front of our house with the bullhorn and said, guess what? We're going to make your house over again. But there's a greater truth that's part of that as well, and that's the fact that most of us probably really don't need that. We're okay with the house that we live in, and maybe we don't have a dance studio in our basement, but, you know, we're okay. What most of us need is to have our home made over, our family relationships, our marriages, because in the world that we live in, we live in such a self-centered age and such a high-pressure, high-stressed era that it's a challenge, even for people who are lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, to have successful marriages and successful families. The news for us today that's so good is that it's not Ty standing outside our house with a bullhorn. It's Jesus Christ, the one we've been singing about and glorifying today. It's Jesus who's standing on the outside of your home and your marriage and your family relationships, and he's saying, it's your turn. You can have a makeover. Now, 
When we get started today, I need, to, I need to just give you basically one powerful thought in this morning's message, though. I've been a counselor and a pastor for many years, and one thing I've come to learn through the years is that people expect you to give them answers that they can take home with them to change specific actions in their home to make their home better. If I've learned one thing in 30 years of pastoring, it's this. There's a deeper issue that has to be resolved before we can change specific actions to make our homes better. Maybe the best way I can think of to, to illustrate what I'm talking about today is to tell you about something that happened in my home and my family about 10 years ago. And my family doesn't like to talk about this. It was a very scary moment for us. You know, there are certain things that happen in your life that are so scary that leave you so precarious, you don't even like to look back on them. And this is one of those things. About 10 years ago, one December morning, Mary Alice and I got up very early and decided to do some very early morning Christmas shopping. Our three sons, Jonathan, our oldest, were still living at home at that time. And Jared and Stephen, who was a baby then, they were all asleep. We weren't going to wake them up. We were just going to let them sleep and go out and get some shopping done and then come back to the house. We were going to make a morning of it. We went to this elegant restaurant for breakfast called McDonald's. And as soon as we got through eating at McDonald's, we were going to go shopping. But I just had strange vibes. I don't know. You ever, you ever just have strange vibes? Those of us who follow Jesus oftentimes think those are the promptings of the Holy Spirit. But there was just something strange in my spirit. And I said to Mary Alice, you know, I've got a lot of work to do in the office. Let's put this shopping off until the evening. And we drove back to our house in Bel Air, and we walked in, and I just had the sense that something was not right. And it was in the air. I mean, it didn't smell anything. It wasn't that I perceived anything. I just had a sense that something was not right with the air in our house. And as I was getting ready to leave and run to the office, I said to Mary Alice, I don't know why I said it because I didn't smell natural gas. I said, you need to call the gas company and have them just come out and check the air in our house. And the moment I did that, I kicked myself and I thought, why am I getting the gas company out here? I don't smell gas. I don't know that there's anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong. But I did. In those days, our, our church plant was located in southeast Wichita. We lived in Bel Air. It took me about 20 minutes to drive from Bel Air to the, to the church building. And when I got there, several members of the staff were outside on the sidewalk stopping me, and they said, Pastor, you need to get home immediately. And when I got back to my house in Bel Air, there were gas company representatives all over the property because my home, my house, was filled with carbon monoxide. When I walked into the basement, which was adjacent to the furnace in our house, there was one bedroom in the basement, and the gas company representative who was testing the air showed me that the carbon monoxide was off the chart in the basement, and she pointed to the bed in the basement, and she said, nobody slept in that bed last night. Well, she was right. Jonathan and Jared and I had been playing a pickup basketball game at the, at the Bel Air Rec Center, and Jonathan had fell and injured his arm, and he normally would have slept in that room, but I said to him, because he had hurt himself, I said, I want you to stay up on the main level tonight, and he slept on the couch in the living room, and she was right. Nobody had slept in that bed, but I asked her how she knew that, and she said the carbon monoxide level in this room is so high, if anybody had slept in that bed, they would have been dead by one o'clock this morning. You know, the weird thing, church, was I didn't see it coming. I didn't have any warning. 
And I, I didn't know that my house was going to be filled with carbon monoxide when I went to bed that night. I didn't have any prompting. I didn't have any indication. There was nothing that caused me to see it coming. And it makes me think about through the years of pastoring, how many men, how many women I've talked to who've sat down in my office and said, Pastor, my home is breaking up. And my wife left me a note that she's leaving. She's gotten interested in some guy she works with, and, and now she's leaving me. Or my husband, he's, he's going a different direction. He's gotten involved with some other woman, and he's just walking out. But, Pastor, I didn't, have, I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't have any warning. Or my kid's in trouble, and I, I, I don't know how it happened. I, I didn't see it coming. Now, that's how I, how I felt about the carbon monoxide in my house. I didn't have any warning, but the truth be told... There were other houses in my neighborhood built on the same plan. If I had paid a little more attention, I would have noted that some of the people that had that same two-story plan had made an unsightly modification to the exhaust system. They had extended the exhaust pipe above the level of the second story because it seems that my home plan was prone to exhaust getting trapped in an area and then backing up into the house. I would have wondered to myself as I drove into our neighborhood, why have my neighbors who have the same house plan that I have, why have they made that unsightly modification to their exhaust system? Or I could have done something much simpler. I could have bought an in-home air monitor, air quality monitor, that would have tested the carbon monoxide levels in my house. Trust me, I have them all over my home today. I would say to all of us, and many of us have been in situations where we could say to ourselves, we have problems in our home, but we didn't see it coming. I really believe that there's an element of truth in that. Oftentimes we don't see problems coming, but it could be because we don't take time to look at what's developing in our home. I mean, if you're here today and you're married, which many of you are, or if you're in a home situation, you have your children in your home or your parents in your home, chances are you got issues today. Some of you might say, well, Pastor, we, you know, we have our up days and our down days. Or, or somebody may say, we have all bad days. And there's somebody could be here today and say, Pastor, we don't have any problems in our home. I'd like for you to be right back there by that exit because we need to all get your autograph today, all right? But those of us who have issues in our home, chances are we think if the people in our marriage, if the people in our family, if they would just change the way they behave, everything would be all right. There are men here. You know what's wrong with your marriage. If your wife would just be more affectionate, if she would just smother you with kisses and leave you alone when you watch football games, everything would be all right. There are wives here today. If your husband would just take out the trash and bring you roses occasionally, everything would be okay. There are kids here. If your parents would just triple your allowance, everything would be all right. There are parents here today. You say, if my kids would just clean their room and do their homework, everything would be all right. That's where we go wrong. And that's where we get, that's how we get blindsided. We think if people change their actions, our marriages would be better. If people did things differently, our relationship with our kids, if my kids would just behave, things would be different. What we fail to understand is that there is a spiritual and emotional air quality in our family. Just like there was an air quality in my house. And all of us contribute to that emotional atmosphere in our houses. And until that atmosphere is right, 
it will do little good to make changes in actions. Let me illustrate it this way. Go back in time to when you were a kid. For some of you, you're there now, you're a kid. But for those of us who are not kids anymore, I want you to go back in time to when you were a kid. Isn't it true that there were certain houses, certain homes that you just walked into and you loved to be there? I mean, you just walked in and it felt good to be there. Maybe you had a friend and you just went over to their house. It was a safe place. You liked being there. There was a good atmosphere. Mom and dad got along. Kids and parents got along. Just a great place to be. And you said to yourself, I just, I just want to go and stay in that house. Or maybe it was your house. Maybe all the kids liked to come to your house because there was a pleasant atmosphere in the house. Then I want you to think about going into a home where there was not a pleasant atmosphere. I had friends that I grew up with, and I didn't even like to go to their home because their parents were going to yell at each other, their parents were going to yell at the kids, and the kids were going to yell at the parents. Or maybe there was just a tense stillness in the home. It was just uncomfortable. What I want to get across to us today is all of us who are married, all of us who have a relationship with members of our family, there is an emotional atmosphere in our home. And my wake-up call for you today is... What's that atmosphere? What's the atmosphere in your home? What is the air? What's the emotional air? What's the spiritual air that all of you are breathing when you walk into your house? Second thing I want you to realize is that each one of us is making a contribution to that atmosphere. You show me a home, you know, where there's a husband who is angry, he's pumping anger into that atmosphere. You show me a wife who is, who is distant and cold and frigid, she's pumping that into the atmosphere. When children are rebellious, they're pumping that into the atmosphere. When parents are, are fault-finding and they never can be pleased, they're pumping that into that atmosphere. And it's not just one person's contribution, it's everybody's contribution that's creating a climate that everything that takes place in that home happens in. And so the first question that I want to ask you is, what's the atmosphere in your house? Is it tense? Is it angry? Is it impossible? Or is it pleasant? Is it joyful? Is it restful? Is your home a safe place? Is it a place of peace? Is it a place where people want to be? Is it a place where people can come in and settle down and just feel good to be there? Because if it's a place where people feel like they're walking on eggshells, just waiting for the next lightning bolt to strike, listen, you can change a lot of actions and nothing's really going to transform that environment. So the first question I want to ask you is, what's the interior air quality in your home? And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually and emotionally. What's the air quality like on the inside of your house? I had a salesman ask me that question not too long ago. He, his company put in the furnace and the air conditioning system in my home, and he came out to see me one day, and he said, now, Mark, I know you probably don't want to buy this product, but he said our company's just begun to handle these in-home air filtering systems. And he said, you know, he said, no, you probably don't want to buy one of these. But he said, we're just, we're offering a special deal, but there's no obligation. What we're asking is, would you just allow us to place an in-home air quality monitor for a week? Just this little electric device that plugs in, and it monitored the air inside my house, and then it, pr it produced a computer printout of the air quality in my house, you know, 24 hours a day. And I said, well, yeah, you know, it's free. Boy, that's a dangerous thing to ever let get into your mind, right? It's free. 
But I, I was just curious. I wanted to see what it would be like. And, 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 and sure enough, for a week, that monitor was in my house, and it checked the air quality, the air that was in my house that my family was breathing. Primarily what it came down to is it checked three things, three, three, three kinds of things. It, it checked for things like cooking odors, just smells that were in my house. And, and sure enough, as you might suspect, about 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon, those spiked, they elevated. You could tell that there were, there were cooking odors in our house. And then it, it also checked for things like dust that sort of build up. You know, dust is in everybody's house, but it collects, so it checked for dust levels. And then, of course, the thing I was most concerned about, it checked for toxins, things that could seriously endanger my family, like mold. And when I looked at those printouts, and thankfully I didn't have any serious problems in my home, but when I looked at those printouts, it made me realize that the same thing is happening in our homes and families on a spiritual level. The first question I want to ask you today is, what's the interior air like in your home? What's the mood? What's the spirit? What's the climate like inside your house? The second question I want to ask you, though, is, what's your contribution? Because my belief is this. Every one of us is making a contribution to the air quality, the, in, the emotional air quality of our families. Somebody could say, well, Mark, it's all my husband's fault. If that jerk would just straighten up, everything would be all right. You know, listen, your husband may be causing a lot of bad things to happen in your home and family. Same thing with your wife or your kids, but I'm promising you something. Every single one of us is making a contribution to the emotional climate on the inside of our home. And chances are, we're making some contributions that are like cooking odors, we're making some contributions that are like dust, and we may even be making some contributions that are seriously damaging to our homes. I want to talk to you about those from the Word of God for just a few moments. I want to ask you, first of all, what are you contributing to the emotional environment of your home that could be just like a cooking odor? There are certain things that you can do wrong in your home and family that aren't dangerous necessarily. They're just obnoxious. Now, the Bible talks about some of these. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 15, Solomon said, A nagging wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Now, nobody ever died from nagging, but it's not fun, is it? Whether it's your wife nagging you, your husband nagging you, your parents nagging you, or your kids nagging you, nagging is never fun. And Solomon said, you know, a nagging wife is as annoying, and he, he mentions the constant dripping on a rainy day. But over in chapter 21, and by the way, could I remind you that Solomon married 700 wives? It's probably not the smartest idea. The Bible says he was a wise guy, but I don't know what happened at that point. He married 700 wives and had 300 concubines, which meant that overall he had probably 1,000 mother-in-laws. That was something within itself. <laughs> but every, 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 I guess according to what we draw from this, in chapter 21, Solomon was trying to write, and one of his wives was trying to get his attention, and she just kept talking to him. And in Proverbs 21, verse 9, he said, It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a contentious wife in a lovely home. Well, who lived in a lovely home? Solomon lived in a lovely home. He lived in a palace, the most majestic house in the world. And yet he said, you know what, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than to have somebody constantly nagging at you. But evidently she kept going because 10 verses later he, uh, later he said, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby complaining wife. <laughs> and all the women are sitting out there saying, well, I'm telling you, I'd like to go out to the desert rather than live with a crabby complaining husband. 
All I'm trying to get across to you is if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to begin to do things. They're not toxic. It's not going to break the home up, but it's just unpleasant. It's like a cooking odor. It just sort of hangs there and spoils the atmosphere for a while. So could I ask you this morning, what are some of the contributions that you make to the environment in your home that can be unpleasant? Unpleasant. Well, the second category I want you to think about is like dust. You know, there's certain things that I can do in my home, in my marriage, in my family that might not be bad by itself, but it becomes a habit that I allow to go on continuously, and then it begins to be trouble. Let me give you an example. I have a high-stress job like many of you do, and when I get home, guys, guess what the first thing I want to do is? I want to go to the basement. I want to sit in my chair, I want to get my remote out, and I want to turn on ESPN and see what has happened in the world of sports since I saw it last. Now, if I'm not careful, I'll walk right past Mary Alice and not ask her how her day went. I'll just walk right past. Now, if that happened one time, it's not the end of the world. But when that begins to happen day after day after day, it's like dust that collects. Now, I'm just talking about my sin. I'm not talking about yours. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. But I know with my son, Stephen, I have another issue that I have to deal with. You know, Stephen oftentimes is wanting me to make a decision on something. He's asking me for permission. Can he do this? Can we do this together? And I don't want to tell him no, but I'm not prepared to give him the ramifications of telling him yes. So guess what I do, dads? I'll say, let me think about that for a while. Let me think that over. That's my way of saying I don't want to tell you no, but I don't want to make a decision. If I do that one time, it's not the end of the world, but if I do that day in after day out, the dust begins to collect. Or he may say, Dad, I want to talk to you about something. And I'm saying, not now, Stephen. I I got something going right now. Not now. It's not the end of the world if I do that one time, but if I start doing that every day, I'm allowing the dust to collect. So I'm asking you today, what are some of the things that we do that are in category one? They're like cooking odors. They're like obnoxious stuff. We nag. We complain. We spill that into the atmosphere. What are the things that we do that are like dust that collects? Not necessarily something bad, but it's just something that has a collective building quality. And then finally, what do we pump into the atmosphere of our homes that's really toxic? I want you to think about it. Somebody will say, well, Mark, I don't... I don't really do anything in my marriage. I don't really do anything in my family that could really threaten the viability of my marriage or my family. Are you sure about that? Because you know what? Mold, mold can form in, the, in your home before you realize it's there. And it's the same thing with some of these issues. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's going he's gonna to do something. He, he's going to tell the people about some bad sin that they've heard about. But then he's going to tell them there are certain things that don't seem as serious as those bad sins that are still part of the same pipeline of sin. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus said, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, which some of you will have in your translation that says you fool, if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. 
Now, do we understand clearly what Jesus is getting at? It's like a paint chip. Jesus is saying, you have heard it said that you should not kill. You know that it's wrong to murder. But Jesus is saying, I'm telling you that if you're angry with someone without a cause, it's just a paler shade of murder. Have you ever thought about that? That's what Jesus said. He said if you call someone an idiot, if you throw an insult at them, it's on the same paint chip with murder. It's a little lighter shade. And then he said if you tell someone, modern equivalent would be tell, to tell someone to go to hell. Jesus said that's, a, that's just a shade short of murder. Now I want to get us to think about that because I, I think that a lot of us have been followers of Jesus Christ for a long time, but we've never even heard what he said when he preached the big sermon on the mount. Many of us have never realized that what we're doing is we're pumping toxins into our home. You say, well, Mark, I, I just get so mad at my wife. She just does stupid stuff, and i got to tell her how I feel. What you may be doing is you may be doing something that's on the paint chip with murder. And most of us have never thought about murder. Some of you ladies may have thought about it on bad day, checked out the life insurance policy just to see what it would be. Most of us would never think about this shade, but we can get into this shade. And that's why I'm trying to tell you, we have to ask ourselves, what are we pumping into the environment of our home? If we're pumping insults, if we're pumping, if we're pumping anger, if we're angry without a right cause, we're doing things that are toxic. Now, Jesus has one more for us here. This is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You've heard that the law of Moses says, do not commit adultery. But I say that anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, that's adultery. And we know that adultery is wrong. But here's a man who just begins to pay too much attention to to, you know, a, a woman at the office, or maybe he, he watches the Victoria's Secret special on television, and, and he, enjoys, he enjoys the lustful, but he says, there's nothing to that. It's not adultery. It's on the same paint chip. Or maybe a guy goes downstairs and turns on the computer and begins to surf pornographic sites, and he says, it's not adultery. I'm still faithful to my wife. Yeah, but it's just a shade short. Or there's a woman who is here today, and she says, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm emailing a guy in New Jersey, and we're chatting together, and there's nothing to it. I, I, he, he understands me, and I can just share my innermost thoughts with him. Yeah, it's on, the, it's on the same paint chip. I'm just asking you today to evaluate what you're pumping into the atmosphere of your home. Some of us are pumping odors, cooking odors into the environment. It's just obnoxious stuff that, that we do. And some of us are allowing some dust to collect by some actions that we allow to go on, attitudes that we have on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's some of us that without realizing it, we're threatening the viability of our marriage with things like anger and lust and relationships that are inappropriate. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just saying, you can buy all the books you want to buy. You can employ all the strategies you want to apply. You can watch Dr. Phil, and you can try X, Y, and Z. But until that atmosphere changes in the home, nothing's going to improve. I have three simple goals with today's message. If I can accomplish three things today, then this message will be 
So important. My first goal is for you to understand that there is an emotional climate that's in your house. That's a complicated concept, and most of us don't even go there. But I want you to, if I could just get, number one, if I can get across to you that there is an emotional climate in your home that everybody's contributing to. It is a specific internal chemistry in which all the things that take place in your home happen. If I can get you just to recognize that. That's the first part of my goal. The second part of my goal is if I can just get you to understand today that everybody in your home is making a contribution to that and that you have a contribution, that you're making a contribution to that environment, then it'll be worthwhile. And the third and the most important element of this message is if I can get you to believe by the grace of God's Holy Spirit that there is hope that if things are not right, if the atmosphere is not good, if I can just get you to be open to the reality that God can help you change that atmosphere, then the sermon will be worthwhile. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Mark, I, I know what you're getting at. You're, you're saying, i, I got to start pumping good air, clean air into the atmosphere of my home. But Mark, what happens if I go home and I start doing the things that are right and I don't say those insulting things. I don't do the things that are wrong. Mark, what happens if I start doing right but my husband never changes or my wife never changes or my parents are the same or my kids are the same? I'm going to be like a sheep among wolves. You're asking me, Mark, to go into my home environment unarmed. People are going to throw insults at me and I can't throw insults back at them. I'm going to get squashed like a bug. Time out. What is God after more than anything else? What does God want from you more than anything? Say, well, Mark, I'm, I'm in church. You must want my money. No. God already has everything. If he wanted what you and I have, he'd turn our lights out any time. He said, well, I know what he wants me to do. He wants me to do all kinds of, he wants me to go to Africa and wear a pith helmet and be a missionary. He wants me to do all these things for him. Maybe, but that's not really what he wants from you. God has been after one thing from the day he made Adam. And he still is after it today. He wants your faith. When Jesus was on the earth, he was always looking for faith. You know, the disciples, they wanted to preach a message. And, you know, they wanted to perform. And people today, they want to sing a song for God. They want to preach a sermon for God. They want to do, and, and what God really wants is just wanting people to trust him. See, faith is doing the right thing when it looks ridiculous. And God is all over that. And Jesus was always finding faith in the most unlikely source. Some woman who was outside in a pagan belief system, some Roman soldier would have faith. God is always looking for that. And, and I talk to Christians who, who say to me, Mark, and I guess I'm like this too, they, they want their life to be easy. They're saying, oh, if all my problems just go away, I can serve the Lord. And I want to say, no, you couldn't because the thing that God wants from you more than anything else is faith. And when you have problems, that's your opportunity to have faith in God. If God took all your problems away, you wouldn't have any opportunity to please God. 
But here's what I'm getting at. Have you ever considered that the ultimate test of faith in your life might be for you to trust God in your marriage when your husband doesn't seem to change? We live in a very self-centered, self-absorbed environment. And for you to trust God and to obey God when your husband doesn't get it, or when your wife won't stop unloading on you, or your kids don't appreciate you, maybe the greatest test of faith that you and I will ever have will not be whether we stand in front of a firing squad for God, but can we do the right thing at home in 21st century America when the people in our family won't do right? That might be the greatest test of faith that you and I ever have. I can only ask the questions this morning. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will get under your hood and behind your grill and deal with you and me about what's going on in the environment in our homes. Let's take ownership. Let's take responsibility. Get rid of defensiveness. I mean, just this thing, well, here's the reason why. Don't, don't even go there. Let's get rid of all the defensiveness. Get open before God and say, God, what am I pumping into the atmosphere of my home? Help me. No more cooking odors. No more dust. No more toxins. I want to pump joy and love and enthusiasm and acceptance and grace and praise and worship. I want to pump that into the atmosphere of my home. If you do that, Oh, I can stand here with my bullhorn right now and tell you, it's your turn. It's your turn. Let's pray.